3: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, a mania like we've rarely seen in the stock market. The Reddit-induced short squeeze pushing some names to meteoric rises in a matter of days, in some cases, minutes. GameStop, obviously, at the forefront, not the only one, though. We've got the latest on what's going on and why and what it means to your money. We also have the huge week ahead for earnings, 13 Dow components, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, all reporting in the coming days. We'll get you all set up for that, too, with the investment committee. Joe Terranova here. Steve Weiss is here. Pete Najarian and Bryn Talkington is the managing partner at Requisite Capital Management. We begin, though, with GameStop, the phenomenon we all have been witnessing as you look at the major uh, averages there. GameStop all the way on the left. Yeah, 54% looks pretty good until you consider that the stock was up better than 100% at one point today and maybe about an hour or so ago. So that stock remains very much in focus. Steve Weiss, you've seen a lot of markets. You've seen a lot of crazy things within crazy markets. I'm wondering how you're viewing this And what do you think investors should be thinking about as they watch it with us?
4: Well, I'm thinking that this GameStop situation is the craziest I think I've ever seen. Uh, Usually, you have a short squeeze and it goes up, but this one keeps going. So this really speaks to the changing demographics of investors in the market. And what I mean by that is the people that really true investors never heard of Reddit, A few years ago. Sure, it's been around. We know it. But for that to drive a short squeeze in a company that's so fundamentally flawed, as you pointed 100 percent last week, 50 percent today, there's no there there. So that's why I have to be careful. But I do not think that this is a manifestation of a bubble market. I think it's a manifestation of bubble stocks. ones you want to stay away from? So you want to stay with fundamentals, but we'll see this play out over and over again with others because now they've proven successful and it always is the greater fool theory. The greater fool is going to be the last one to cover. A lot will have made money along the way, but some will lose it. But you'll see this roll through the market and the heavily shorted stocks. It's already begun. But again, that's not an example of a market that's overvalued. I'm more concerned with SPACs, frankly. Because it seems like there's 10 new a day. And when you think about the IPO calendar, there haven't been that many IPOs, quality IPOs that come out. So to me, 80%, just to throw out a number of the SPACs we've seen, will either go belly up or will just be flagging stocks, you know, just bouncing along the bottom. Yeah. But I think the market's still got legs to it. But look. You know, I'm not worried about the market overall.
3: Maybe looking at at one thing doesn't do it justice, but A plus B can equal something, right? Um, a crazy SPAC market plus some of this speculation, short squeeze, however you want to characterize it, can add up to something that is making people, Pete, fairly uneasy about, you know, certainly parts of this market, maybe not the entire market. Steve makes very good points there. A lot of this is being done through options, too. I'm wondering what you're seeing, you know, the, these sort of forensic dives that you do within the options market and what you're thinking about as well.
0: Yeah, and Steve brings up a good point, although I would push back on one thing. He said investors, I'd say traders, because what we're seeing here in names like GameStop and others, uh, BlackBerry, there's all kinds of different names out there, Scott, where we've seen substantial moves on names where they've got a, a, a significant amount of short interest, in many cases, names that have very little when it comes to uh, 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 how many shares that they've actually even got outstanding. There's a lot of different reasons why these have been starting to explode to the upside. I mean, GameStop's a great example. They started raising the borrow costs back in December, and then all of a sudden we get into January, and January 12th they trade 7 million contracts. January 13th, we had a huge buyer of calls that was buying the 28-strike call. Stock was trading right around 20, Scott. And then this explosive move started to take over what's happening now in GameStop as a matter of fact Go back to last Friday even, traded 2 million contracts on the options market. So there really has been an enormous amount of activity going on, and I think part of it is is a little piece of everything. I, you know, the, the fact that they started raising up that borrow cost really should have probably given us room to sort of scratch our head, especially when we started to see those moves that not only at uh, $20 up towards the 30s, but holy smokes, did the last Friday that move all the way up to 76 and then actually – Finished closing right around 65. And on that same trading day, we had over 100,000 of January the 29th expiring 60 calls. Uh, being traded. I shouldn't say being bought, but being traded. So the activity levels are absolutely extraordinary. It brings me back to the days, though, Scott, you know, this has happened time and time and time again. I mean, names like Press Tech. I stood on the trading floors back in 94 with Snapple, where there was a huge short interest. You had to pay significant amounts of money to be able to borrow the stock. and And it turned into what was something similar, not not quite exactly like GameStop, but these things have happened in the past, so this is not just a one-time thing. Right. This isn't a snow leopard. This is something where we're seeing more and more of this happening across a lot of different names that have the same sort of, when you said forensic, that's exactly right, the same forensic background is what we're seeing in GameStop. Well, what I find
3: interesting, too, Pete, as it relates specifically to you and how other traders mm-hmm. who follow you and your brother and the way that you trade, mm-hmm. uh, certainly on this program and elsewhere you are willing to play along, if you will, in this sandbox for now, because I'm looking at the Mm -hmm. fact that you bought AMC calls, okay? AMC is one Mm -hmm. of those stocks that is also in its own right having these GameStop-like moves. You know, John Spallanzani, Mm -hmm. uh, who's a guest on this network from time to time, sends around a note, too, of uh, a line from a Reddit chat which says, AMC... Uh, don't miss AMC, the next GME, right? So that's caught up in the mm. same thing. Why, why are you playing along here uh, to begin with? I mean, are you comfortable with how all of this is going to end?
0: Yeah, how it's going to end, no. But I am very comfortable, and this is exactly why. One of the things that I always say to you, Scott, when you've got certain names out there and you say, why are you in the calls, for instance, of Tesla or something that's a very wild running stock, both up and down, Um, I would much rather prefer to be in the options because I know my risk-reward, and I bring that up all the time on this show. I have since 2007. The idea is when you're seeing certain types of trades, what kind of risk tolerance do you want to have? Are you willing to own the stock or are you not willing to own the stock but you still believe that there is plenty of movement left in some of these names that have made some of these moves, including a name like GameStop. So, yeah, I own actually some calls in GameStop. I own some calls in, in BlackBerry from just last week. I own some calls now in the AM. Because there was a huge buyer of 19,000 of those calls today. So there is a lot of activity out there, Scott, but I am not buying these stocks because that's where I think you can get burned. So people have to be at least educated enough to understand risk reward. So when you're buying an option, when you're buying a call, whatever you paid. That's the most you can lose. Now, you look at some of these things when, you, when you're talking about from a stock perspective. Holy smokes. I mean, some of those rides to the downside certainly would not be pleasant. And sooner or later, you'll see them. I mean, just take a look at the, at the movement today alone in GameStop. The fact that I the know. stock was already stopped. It was halted. And, Pete, and then it made the move to 150, but it came back.
3: Yeah, Pete, the stock was at 159 um, within the last couple yeah. of hours. And what I found remarkable is as I'm sitting at my desk... Preparing for our show, watching Carl interview the analyst from Loop Capital who gave up coverage of GameStop. And as he is going line by line and pointing out all of the fundamental reasons why GameStop had no business whatsoever trading where it was, the stock kept going higher and higher and higher the more negative the analyst got in real time. That's extraordinary, Pete.
0: Yeah. It is extraordinary. You're 100% right, Scott. And that's why, you know, the one thing that John and I always say to everybody, and I know you hear it to the point of nausea, but discipline. Being disciplined, understanding when you put on a trade, where are you gonna exit? Where are you gonna exit on negative trades? Where are you gonna start to trim or take off positions and positive trades? So this is part of that whole discipline is how much are you willing to ride along with some of these things? We know they're gonna come back. We just don't know when. The timing of some of the pullbacks, and you saw it today. Just the movement today alone is just absolutely something like we haven't seen in a really long time. But it's not something we've never seen before. We have seen moves like this before. I think I, I, I can even go back to some of the, some of the other, other names that we've traded where it's just been extraordinary when we were back on the trading floors, yeah. as a matter of fact. And Prestek was one of those names that stood out to me. But it, you know what? You, you bring up a good point. It ends ugly sometimes. It sometimes does. Absolutely it does. But when you're in the options world, you at least know exactly what your risk is as long as you understand if you're buying. Now, if you're short something, that's a different story. But once you've bought something, you know exactly what you can lose.
3: I'm trying to figure out, Bryn, you know, not only what your view is from, you know, away from Wall Street, down in the Houston, Texas area. Um, But also this notion of what Pete just said. Um, It could end badly. I mean, it's going to end badly, isn't it? I mean, you look at some of these names. I'm not just talking about GameStop and and AMC, whose CEO, by the way, is going to be on later on this afternoon on, on, I think, the closing bell. So you're going to want to. There you go. Three o'clock. It's a first on interview, uh, Adam Aaron. So you're going to hear from him on what he thinks about Uh, all of this and where his business is, which has been, as you know, incredibly challenged. But I'm talking about some of these retail names. How can it not end badly in a Bed Bath & Beyond, a Macy's, which is up 31 percent month to date, which is up double digits today? A lot of these retail names, Ollie's, designer brands, which is up huge today. How doesn't it end badly?
1: Yeah. I mean, you don't really make the money until you sell it. So to your point, you know, these names, we'll call it, you know, a Macy's. These these retailers have structural issues that they need to pivot. That's nothing new that that we've all seen how this has shifted. And and this pandemic has called this caused this shift online to to go even further. So maybe Nordstrom outperforms Macy's. But I do think going back to what, what we've been talking about, it's I think it's really important for the viewers to understand what's actually happening underneath the market with all of these options. And I think that what hasn't been talked about is, you know, the market makers with the GameStops or the BlackBerrys and these, you know, the Reddit traders, is that, you know, these Reddit traders are buying deep, out of the money, short-dated calls. Okay, they're really cheap, really inexpensive, short. They're buying them from the market makers, who like a Citadel, who are selling them to them. But then a firm, the market maker doesn't want to be naked the stock, so they have to actually go buy the stock So they are matched up. And what happens is this becomes a big feedback loop as a GameStop rises and rises. The actual market makers actually have to start buying more stock. So it's more than just a short squeeze. It's actually this like dislocation between these short dated out of the money calls um, and the market makers being this feedback loop. So, I mean, it ends when it ends. But I think ultimately we have this incredible You know, it's good right now, energy underneath the market. I mean, SoftBank with options, we talked about this last year. That This is just that on steroids, which is ironic that it's, you know, smaller investors. We have this incredible energy under the market because we've had this massive wealth transfer from the government to the consumer via stimulus, which will continue to happen. This massive liquidity from the Fed. And this is a cascade effect of that. So I think that this continues in different forms until one of those two dynamics stops. And it doesn't seem like that's going to stop anytime soon. It's like
3: uh, a... yeah. I'm sorry. Finish, finish your thought. I thought you were, I thought you were done. My, my apologies. Go ahead. No,
1: no. I just think it's a I think it's a big I, I think it's It's just going to continue. And clearly we'll have sell offs. And I'll just say, yes, how everything's going in, in, in Texas. You know, actually, it's going really well. We're doing, I think, one of the better countries, for, be, better states uh, feels like a country uh, for vaccine. Schools are open. Restaurants are open thoughtfully. And so I think we're trying to do the best we can to yeah. help these small businesses and kids um, do well.
3: I, I, that was a Freudian slip. I I, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, all right, Joe. So let's throw up GameStop again, OK, because the stock was up by about 120 percent earlier today. It, it's now it's up, halted. It's it's now up 20 percent. Right. It's been halted numerous times. So it's halted again. Um, again, the high of the day on GameStop today was 159 and 18 to right now it's at 78.56. Again, earlier today, it was a gain of nearly 120 percent. Now it sits as 20. I go back to the, the Spallanzani note that he sent me and whether this becomes a rolling game of sorts where, you know, you're finished running and gunning GameStop. So you throw that one in the can and then you just move on to the next. And when you're done with that, you move on to the next. And when you're done with that, you move on and so on and so on and so on. And what the risk is for the trader who is watching the program today uh, and who is a frequent viewer and knows that we have traders and investors, short-term, long-term. It's an amalgamation we have on this program of people who just do different strategies. W- what are you telling them today as you watch this unfold? And it's not just this name.
5: I don't think any one of us, any of the four of us, would tell them to either short sell or to buy the stock of GameStock, no question. I think there is something obviously wrong, and it's the gamification of Wall Street when you see a stock trade the way it is trading. Tell me if the majority of the 105 million shares, 105 million shares that have traded today, which from a dollar volume standpoint, is more than the S&P 500, do you think these people are making money? Or there's a small minority that are making money in this. This type of behavior is not the behavior that you want to be replicating. And there is something inherently wrong within the regulatory structure if this can be allowed. Mm -hmm. Tell me the online platforms. Is this good for your customers? Because customers that lose money, those are not good customers because they're not coming back. So there is something wrong that's represented by the way this is trading today. And you could look back upon 2020 and you could find other instances, whether it was Kodak or Big Commerce when it went up to 150 or even at times to a certain extent, Tesla traded that type of way. It is not a representation of the overall market, but it's the
3: type of behavior that Wall Street shouldn't be proud of. Okay, so, you know, that's a perfect segue to bring in Mike Santoli, who's been taking a look at this, uh, as you might expect. And Mike. What I love the line in your note to us today, which which says the sideshow is getting wild. The question is, does it disturb the main event? It's the exact point that Joe just made. Do we need to worry about what's happening here and a spillover effect into the rest of the market or what it signifies about where we are more broadly?
2: Yeah, I think so far it has really been off on the fringes, and it has not necessarily changed what was going on in the overall market. You know, you, we opened up today, and it looked like a routine, oh, we're going to rotate into the big NASDAQ stocks today. The the, uh, the cyclicals are coming off, the Dow's down a little bit. We've been doing this a little bit back and forth for a few weeks. And then it starts to seem a little more erratic when everybody is focused on some of these movers, uh, and maybe it creates uh, other portfolio shifts around the edge. I don't think right now we're at that point where we're saying this is the the market. Um, We've always had these short squeeze stampedes. We've always had these kind of hype uh, fests of of particular names, not always in these name brand stocks, not always in multi-billion dollar market caps like we have here with GameStop. But a lot of things that have really uh, come to the fore in the last 10 months are at play here. Brent talked about the the options uh, activity, which is basically self-reinforcing on the way up. People are paying enormous, enormous bloated premiums to buy this uh, upside exposure. And by the way, nobody's making money. This stock opened at 96, traded most of the volume between 96 and 150. And now where is it? So you're good. It burns itself out on a certain level right there. But I do think that there's a there's a reason to question whether this becomes a little more the mode of the overall market. Um, so far, I would say not necessarily. Um, I don't think it's destabilized things just yet. What's interesting to me, too is on a macro basis, this is not a heavily shorted market. If all you want to do is go hunt heavily shorted stocks, there just aren't that many of them. Uh, right now, the short base is very low, which actually arguably is a contrary indicator saying maybe the overall market needs a break. Uh, but it's not as if there's, there's really ripe candidates for a lot of this stuff to just keep going and going and going uh, indefinitely. So I, I actually see it as a little bit of... You know, people playing video games along the side. uh, Sometimes there's a fundamental reason for it. Sometimes the shorts have gotten overconfident and and overplayed their hand. Absolutely. Uh, And that gets all hashed out over time. Uh, But right now, it seems to me, people are kind of playing, you know, the money line uh, during the game. And and just seeing who wins and not necessarily betting their entire, you know, life savings on uh, GameStop calls, we hope anyway. The most
3: remarkable thing that may happen today is that GameStop if it actually goes and trades negative after being higher by nearly 120 percent, not even two hours ago. And I would just take what you said, Mike, and and come back and say, not yet is there a spillover. and, And who knows whether there will be or not. But this kind of activity already comes, Mike, at a time where some are questioning the sustainability of the rally and valuations that they deem to be in Jeffrey Gundlach's words, record-breakingly high. So there's a backdrop to what we're witnessing, too.
2: There is. There's no doubt that the overall market on most objective measures is valued at a a pretty high level. It is elevated. Now, you could compare it to bond yields if you think that's relevant and say it's it's not really extreme. But I actually think what's fascinating is during the summer, it was all happening very systematically. It was people saying, oh, negative real interest rates. We see that on our screen. So we can therefore pay more for the very reliable cash flow streams of Facebook and Alphabet and all those stocks. And that was all this very kind of algorithmic, oh, we're just going to walk these things up. And then you had to test the Tesla wildness on the side. But this is different. This is not some kind of big-picture, new-era view of the fact that GameStop's going to take over the world or National Beverage, right, Fizz, which is ripping today, or iRobot. It's not a big-picture bull story that's very open-ended, and, and here's why we deserve these valuations. It's really just games uh, are, are around the side of, uh, of, of the main market. So I still think you can say uh, that it's not really overtaken what's happening day-to-day for sure. most of the— trillion market cap we have in the U.S. Yeah,
3: not yet, anyway. By by the way, GME halted yet again, so we'll let you know when that reopens. Um, But that stock, which was up better than 100%, is in danger of going negative by the way that the the thing's trading. Let's bring in Herb Greenberg. Our old uh, old pal uh, is with us, too, to get some of his perspective. Uh, Herb, I thought of you immediately. You know, you're someone who sells research to short sellers, right? This is your game. This is your world. No, well, no, what in this the world is, is going world. through your mind as you're watching this, Herb?
6: Well, what's going through in my mind is is how irrelevant I feel and how every day I just don't want to get out of bed and how it's the least amount of fun I think I've ever had. And I'm very serious about that. But I also know that this is creating somewhat of an, a great opportunity for specific types of uh, of stock picking type shorts at some point in time. It may be it may be in this earnings season where it starts, it may be at some other point in time. But I can tell you, the type of names we deal in, and we're very quiet, as you know the type of names we deal in are tend to be larger, boring companies, the type that don't make headlines. And even with that, the disconnect with reality for most of those names is unbelievable. You look at it and you just your jaws on the ground, you say, It doesn't make sense. Nobody's doing any work. And it's driven by levels of fundamentals that you just, I mean, levels of speculation. In fact, Pete said traders. No, Pete, I'd say speculators. I'd actually go beyond speculators. I'd say gamblers. I'd say it's a group of people that there's, you know, you have so much in this market. You have the passive investors on one side, right? So that's a part of this, the algorithms. On On the other side, you have the retail investors that are sort of having their, hey, they're their, their heyday, and the rest of this is just, in, in a sense, you look at it and you say it's like making a mockery of the market. And yes, we've seen this before, but we haven't seen, I don't think we've seen this before. We've seen craziness, but this is this is at a level that makes whatever we saw before look like kid stuff.
3: You 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 tweeted you know the other day I I think it was wondering you know this is going to end badly. Uh, or wondering if it would, but just because something looks as outrageous um, as this sort of thing looks doesn't necessarily mean that the end comes anytime soon or as bad as we think and assume it might.
6: Look, I never said it was going to end badly because I think we know that that kind of a comment right now is kind of a silly comment because we don't know who, what, when, where, and why. And I would go so far as to say when it ends, it's going to be something out of left field that nobody was expecting. Um, and, and, which is often or can be the case. What I said was the GME, I tweeted the GME, every bone in my body wants to think the GME is a bell ringer, but every bone in my body also knows there is no bell. So, you know, you know that something's coming. You just don't know when it's going to be. It could be it could be three months from now, three days from now, or three years from now. Yeah. And that's, that's a strange environment to be in, especially when these stocks are just, so many of them have lost, lost, uh, lost touch with reality. And I think if there's any disappointment with these, we then do know what will happen. And by the way, with so few short sellers out there, or, or so little short interest, relatively speaking, doesn't that create a sort of a no natural buyers and somewhat of a, you know, a, an elevator that goes down without stopping at any floors?
3: Yeah, no, I thank you for correcting me, too. And you also said it much more eloquently than I portrayed of what you were trying to say. But the point Um, Is well made. Pete, I'll let you respond, because, again, um, you know, this notion of trading versus speculating versus gambling. In a sense, Pete, this is a you are playing along with the gamble, right? I mean, you are playing along, Pete, in these very short term um, gaming plays. I don't know how else to portray it. I think Herb did a better job than I could myself.
0: No, and Herb, Herb brings up a good point. There is a lot of speculation out there. We already know the Barstools crowd. We know uh, a lot of the different parts of the market that changed significantly starting really last year and the acceleration of that change through Robinhood and everything else, right? I mean, so many people have and in is. front of them what they think and they but, might by even the way, perceive Pete, to be Pete, a bit of a game. But forgive yeah. me for interrupting
3: yeah. you, but I'm going to, uh, if, if only to let people know that GameStop has now gone mm-hmm. negative. It's negative by 6 percent. Okay, a stock that was up to one hundred and fifty nine dollars, a gain of better than 100 percent on this very day, not even three hours ago, is now gone negative. Mm -hmm. Pete, continue. Sorry.
0: And, and, Scott, the one thing I would point out, too, is this is something that we've brought up a time and time again, specifically when we've talked about certain other names that are big names that have short interests. I mean, how many times have we talked about seeing a, some unusual option activity in something like a Macy's, and we try to point out, hey, by the way, there's a significant short interest here. And, and just to point that out so people have a little bit more information about why or what people are seeing out there and some of the movements, I mean, I could go back to Tilray, Not too many years ago, Scott, that's something that absolutely had one of those explosive moves, then had the pullbacks and all the rest of it. But there's a long list of these. So this is not, like I say, just a a one-time event with GameStop. This is something that's been going on for a longer period of time, even than the Robin Hooders and all the rest of it. So this is something that I think you just have to – Understand, what are you getting into? And uh, many of the people probably do not know that, but they are speculating, to Herb's point, or gambling. And, and I we've seen that in the market for a long, long time. They've come and gone, the day traders and all the rest of it, Scott. So this is, this is just another part of what we talk about all the time, which is hybrid. The markets are going to be hybrid. The, the, the workplace is going to probably be far more hybrid than anyone right now really knows. So I think there's a lot to be said for the changes that happened in 2020 that will still be holding on, I think, in 21, 22 and beyond. Herb?
6: You know what? I'm surprised. I have to say one thing. I'm surprised I haven't seen the headline on a story that says short selling is dead. And I'm just so hoping we see that one soon, because we know we know what that means. And, Is that uh, the bell? <laughs> and that, if there's ever going to be something close to it, was like the the Business Week story back whenever that said, you know, equities are dead, and those tend to come at at inflection points. I will say something very interesting here. Historically, I could sit here just from a a, a human nature standpoint and see what I felt would be inflection points. yeah, And you can just see it. Even the pain so many people feel if they're shorting stocks or if they haven't been part of this ride or whatever the case may be. And these inflection points just aren't coming. And they're not coming when they typically would, especially if you talk to short sellers or you talk to people like that. And I think that is an indication of this type of market right now. But I also think that, um, you know, I think uh, this time is different in that it's taking a little longer.
3: I, I see. <laughs> Kramer's tweeting um, about our conversation. I don't know if he's going to come out or not. He is coming? Jim. Uh, all right. <laughs> OK. Yeah, he, no, he's tweeting about it. I, I, I was going to see if he wanted to come out and join the conversation because um, he is, he is um, <laughs> listening to what we're talking about. I know he's been oh, thinking he a lot. He's been thinking a lot about this topic.
6: it. He writes the tweet. Short selling is dead. There you go. Jim Kramer, short selling is dead. That's all we needed. You know, my friend, Jim Cramer, Scott.
3: Yeah, go ahead, Steve.
4: Yeah, look, I'm a reformed short seller. I used to short as much as anybody. But here's why I don't do it anymore. It's too difficult. Markets go up 90 percent of the time. So to think that you can pick these names where you can, with a short, you've got to identify the catalyst, then you've got to identify the time frame when it happens. So look at some of the core shorts we've had. Channels was on the network last week. He's still short Tesla, except now he's doing in puts. So shorting is very, very difficult, and shorting exists so hedge funds could justify their fees because they're being short. It really doesn't make that much sense because the number of companies out there that are true shorts get very crowded very quickly. Now, you take a stock like GameStop, more than 100% of the float is short. Now, I'm not going to go into the technicals of why you can do that, but back to Joe's point, that's a flaw in market regulation that should not be allowed. So I appreciate what Herb does, how hard he works, but there are anomalies there. Do you know that Vuzix, which I own in my portfolio, the cost to borrow that, and they put out another great announcement today about another partner, another sales. The cost to borrow Music shares are more expensive than the cost to borrow GameStop shares. Doesn't make any sense. So my advice is for the normal investor, stay away from shorting. For hedge funds that can stay there and that justify their fees, go ahead and do it.
3: I mean, maybe it's just a new phenomenon in this kind of a market where it's not going to go away. Um, the, the people, Steve, that you're warning... Um, not to get involved, uh, are throwing something at the television saying this guy is the, the old game of Wall Street. The new game is exactly what this is. And this is the way that stocks for a cohort are traded. And that's the new market that has left a lot of people in the dust. And when people were home from the pandemic or because of the pandemic, began trading stocks in a, in a way that they either never have in their life uh, or just differently And maybe this is just the way that it's going to be for a while, Steve.
4: It's a sideshow. And I'll tell you what never is going to go out of style. Fundamental investing, whether your growth, whether your value, forget those labels. Bottom up, fundamental investing isn't going out of style. To Pete's point, these are traders. To Herb's point, they're speculators. They're playing the momentum. And I'm not blind to it. I'm not old to it. I see exactly what's going on. I participated, which is why I bought Bitcoin. Right. I bought the momentum. I know exactly what's going on. But it's the arrogance of saying you don't know what you're talking about to any of us that have long track records on this show that makes those particularly the fools in this market.
3: Yeah. Do we get oh, the a little bit lower? Jim, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, good. I'm good. Thank God. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. Uh, I really wanted you to be a part of this. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're here and able to do it. I mean, I know you're listening to the conversation and, well. and tweeting about it. And I, I don't. You know, look. You have much more experience in in looking at markets than I do, and you were a participant, uh, and I was not. So I, I'm just curious as to I've heard you talk about this on the air already, but hearing Herb's point of view and seeing what's happened in GameStop in a single span of two and a half hours, what that
7: what that says to you? Well, first, uh, it's great to see Herb, and your gang is so bright about so much of this. Uh, it's never I've never seen it before, and what Wall Street bets, which is really driving this. What they've done, that's a site on Reddit, what they've done is target large short positions. Now, they have not targeted small short positions. GameStop was 148 percent short. They went after uh, Best Buy this morning because that's 67 percent short. They're obviously, uh, the, uh, by the way, BlackBerry's not. They just happen to, they happen to be a big favorite. Palantir, we don't know where they're doing. But I'm not, I actually think, uh, Herb, that they're smarter than we think. They're after the ones that are too shorted. No short selling is not dead, but they're very smart about what to target. Wait a minute. What you just said,
6: target. So here's my question. How is it that they can target and that's legal? And if there was in the old days a bear raid, that was illegal. When does this become
7: manipulation, Jim? It's such a tough question, because remember, what's manipulation? How about if an analyst came out right now and said, I think GameStop is going to 250? Would we give that uh, person a a pass? Yes, because of the First Amendment. No, no, listen to me. It's First Amendment protection versus the idea of a group getting together to bust the shorts. But if the group is not a real group, it's just a lot of people who love it, it's going to be very hard for the U.S. attorney to do anything, Herb. What is it? The SEC? They're not. What kind of case do they have? We like the stock. We like the stock. I mean, that's that's the where Ryan Cohen got in. He bought fifteen percent at eight dollars. He's on the board. We like the stock. How is that bad? Or do you think that they're concentrated and doing some sort of manipulation if they say they like the stock? Well, I don't know if they're
6: concentrated because I don't have subpoena power and I can't really go well, out and look at it. Well, that's I, problem. Even, I, I, could, I <laughs> could argue I don't even know if there are foreign powers that work here behind Please the scenes stop. trying to make chaos up our markets. Let me ask you I
3: this, Jim, because I think Mike Santoli, look, there's, there's a, a good number of people sitting at home who are like, I'm not investing in these kinds of stocks. I don't know what the heck they're talking about. I'm really not interested in it. But, Jim, Mike brings up what really is the, the cogent point for the broad audience. This is a sideshow, does it at some point
7: disturb the main event. I think the more people are worried that it's going to disturb the main event, then it, it, it is. It is a sideshow. What happened in GameStop? Okay. So the, the big trade was to be long the 40 calls and to be short the 60 calls. So they covered, they, they forced you to cover the 60 calls, they being the, the market makers had to cover. They started covering cover around 4 o'clock. So you did not, if you own the 40 and you're short the 60, you got caught here because you were not able to sell the 40 at the same price that you got closed out in the 60. So you see that there are closing out and closing out and closing out. And Pete, you know this. And then once it was done, boom. I mean, anyone who was longer from the 40 calls doesn't have the capital. So that's why it came under pressure.
3: It just shows you, too, what, like, okay, we came into the show today, Jim, saying, okay, we're going to lead with technology. Uh, NASDAQ's ripping today. We're leading into a bunch of really critical earnings. And then we see what's happening with GameStop and the rest of the, the market story. And we're like, what in the world? So you make this great pivot. It sucks a lot of the, the air out of the room. At the end of the day, though, Jim, this week and this month and maybe the next one is going to be driven by the numbers, right. I hope, the fundamentals, and it's tomorrow. fundamentals. It's of, tomorrow. Uh, What's
7: Johnson Johnson oh. going to say? What happens if Johnson Johnson says, okay, we had a great quarter, stay tuned because you may only have to take one shot. I mean, where does that stock go? Look at Eli Lilly. Look at what happened to Eli Lilly on a couple of yeah, on good news what? what happens with these earnings? Say you again? Companies
6: come out. What happens if, with these companies, if, if, Jim, <laughs> if people come out? And we know it's when the company stands up and the company says it's not quite what you expected it to be at these levels. And what I think is very interesting is I watch it as these stocks go higher and higher and higher. Executives are human beings. They have feelings. They get caught up in no, it, too. You're now they have making a,
7: statements that you can't prove.
6: Now they have to justify. I'm 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 trying to think through it. Now I, they're trying on, I know to justify so long
7: I like to do this with you. You know that. Go ahead. Now I, I love it, before. Jim.
6: I love being with you. So really? now they have to justify. Now they have to justify the stock somehow. And that's where I believe you get into this issue of aggressive accounting, which people don't pay attention to any of that anymore. They haven't for a long time. People start getting more aggressive. They get hooked on the drug of aggressiveness. And that's why Jim Chanos is out there talking about the golden year of fraud. I was literally this is going to be a very interesting period going forward. I was literally very, thinking very
3: very of, of Chanos Singh, the golden age of fraud when he was with us the, golden age um, of fraud? the, the, the other the other day.
7: Wait, wait. Uh, okay, so tell me, was the fraud? Wall Street bets decided to go after bed, bath because some idiots are short it when the has whole company is changed? has nothing to do with chased. Wall Street bets. 67% short and the whole company's better than it used to be? What is the case to be short, bed, bath, and beyond? Anyone have it? <laughs> May- Anyone have May- it? Maybe, well, actually, actually did show up on
6: our model for breaking retailers that we put out a while back. But that said, didn't take into account the new CEO, didn't take into account things. But that was, by the way, That was a long time ago. So again, he has to justify what he's doing at Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know. I don't. It's not a company we write about. But you know, I will say that in the end, what will the management's do? What will they have to do to justify these stock prices and these proxy statements that are that are going to come out later this year? It's going to be interesting to take a look at bonus structure changes and things like that to see how much of it is tied to the stock. If there's any tweaks that are going to indicate you know, that are going to suggest that management has to get more aggressive or wants to get more. Aggressive. Well, I got If
7: interest rates go up, I think a lot of this game goes away. But the problem and is, by is the way, that way cleanses Scott, the I, I just bo- what
4: Scott, two things. First of all, you got two short sellers, Herb and Jim was talking about. Golden Age of Fraud. I'm not a short seller. I don't short stuff. Short sellers. No, but you put out short research. So everybody's Thank talking you. their own book. I will tell you this. I just bought a load of GameStop puts far below the market going out to March and April. Just now. This is a moment in time. Reality is going to hit that stock, and it's going to come down hard.
3: Like literally just now as we're having this conversation, you did that?
4: Literally just now. Literally just now. I mean, it's purely speculative. It's money. It's not going to affect... Obviously, my portfolio or my life. Either way, but it's just too good a setup. This is not going to last forever. If I lose the money, I lose it. But it's going to be fun in the interim.
7: Okay. So what happens to the guy? There's who no sold there him to you? there. What happens this to the guy? Who be who sold a Two dollar stock. Two dollar. The Cohen guy who sold him to eight. me. Brian Cohen paid it. Yeah. No, I'm saying how does he? How does he hedge himself? Yeah.
4: well, I, well he's going to have to go out and do something with the stock.
7: I know, but that could lead. Or he's got to find somebody did, on the other side. If you did position limit, you're going to hurt the stock. You know that. I mean, you can make it happen yourself. Jim, you know, the of other course. the other thing is, Jim,
3: is that there are, there are you know, okay, there may not be a lot of, you know, people in GameStop, but uh, just in, in general, but, right. you know, there may be a bunch of, of our regular viewers who are in a Macy's or a Nordstrom or some of these other names that they think may You know, be be time to buy. Looking ahead to the other side of the pandemic, caught up in this whole thing. That's my point. Is is again playing off of what Santoli is talking about. It may not have a broad impact on the market yet but there could be an awful lot of investors caught up in all of this because this is spreading now
7: to household names, Jim. It is. A but lot I, of the ones that we talk about. Look, I, I think Jeff Ginnett's doing a great job at Macy's. Maybe it should never have been at seven. By the way, I think uh, if you take a look at what Michelle Goss has done, and I was I didn't believe this, but she has made a major turn in Kohl's. She brought in Sephora. She's bringing in big brand names. That is a turn. Some of these maybe should never have been what where they were. Ford Motor, maybe she's never have been where it was. So I, I say say, Scott, that some stocks got oversold and should not have been where they were. Jeff Gannett is doing a good job. Does the stock belong here? I think if you get a vaccine, if everybody gets the vaccine, then you're going to pay 15 for Macy's, maybe even 20.
3: Hey, if you get a vaccine, uh, AMC deserves maybe to be where it is. Absolutely. Right. But that's the problem. This is so this is taking us away from reality that we don't
7: know what's real and what's not. The reality is, is that we're all going to get it unless we get the vaccines out. Yeah. I mean, right. isn't that with the transmission? You have to have an N95. Everyone, I have a guy tonight, Dr. Mina. What does he do? He is advocating a stay, an at-home test that costs $5. That's what we need. This is an N95. I got the edge on you. Do I want the edge on you? No, everyone should have it. I'm sorry I went on for so long, but the vaccine is what's happening.
3: No, you, um, thank you for coming out. You made the conversation better. Herb, thank you. It's great to see you again. You guys. Sorry, Pleasure. Herb, that I, you know, I did the usual with you. It's before. okay, Jim. All right. I, I expect nothing less from you. Wouldn't oh, want to God. have this conversation without you, her. Mike Santoli, you always make us think. Thank you for being here. We'll take a quick break. We will come back. We have a lot of buys and sells from our own committee. We'll talk about that next.
5: Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more.
8: Welcome back, everybody. I'm Sue Herrera. Here's your CNBC News update at this hour. Moments ago, President Biden signing an executive order allowing transgender individuals to join the U.S. military, reversing former President Trump's ban. The order says America is stronger when it is inclusive and the military is no exception. The Justice Department's inspector general is starting an investigation into whether any current or former department officials made an improper attempt to change the outcome of the presidential election. There are reports Trump worked with a Justice Department lawyer to replace the acting attorney general with someone who would try to overturn Biden's election results. It is summer in Australia, and that means wildfires. With a heat wave pushing temperatures well above 100 degrees, fires have been burning around Adelaide and other areas in the southeastern region of that country. And here at home, the White House is releasing photos of the Biden family dogs, Champ and Major. They're getting used to their new home with a nice big yard to play in. You are up to date. That's the news update, Scotty. Back
3: to you. Okay, Sue, I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, the investment committee, as I said, making a lot of moves today. Joe, let's go through some of yours, okay? You bought the China ETF, uh, MCHI. Talk to me about that because I know we were recently talking about your emerging market play um, as well. So this is a continuing theme?
5: Well, it's the only place in 2020 where you actually saw positive economic growth. Uh, Chinese are the only economy that is experiencing a V-shaped recovery. Pinduoduo, which I've talked about on the show, Brad Gersten knows well. Look at the performance of that today. So I want more exposure to Tencent, Pinduoduo, and Chinese equities themselves. I'm into MCHI. I told you last week that I would be ringing the register on DocuSign and Tractor Supply. That is what I did, as well as uh, Capital One. Range resources. I also got out of that. I had too much holding in natural gas. I increased my holding to EQT, but I just wanted to have more specific China exposure. And I had to sell some names to do it because I was pretty fully invested.
3: Okay, Pete, I'll go through some of your names in just a just a second. Let me get to Bryn first, if I may, Uh, if you'll you'll beg my pardon uh, for that. Uh, PayPal, you bought more, Bryn.
1: Yeah, I mean, their earnings don't come out till till February, but I really think they're a perfect example of the, the new finance. And I think that this will be the first quarter where their cryptocurrency is part of the revenues. I think it's just going to be huge. I think the best days are ahead of them. You know, they have a similar platform to Affirm. Actually, the Affirm CEO started at PayPal. And I just think it's a great financial that has been re-rated once they started having you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum to for sale to trade. and I think that will continue to give it a strong runway in 2021.
3: Okay. And you bought the JP Morgan equity premium uh, income fund, the ETF, the JEPI?
1: Yeah, we call it JEPI. And I think we spent so much time in the front end talking about buying calls and options. And actually, you know, we love buying individual names and actually selling calls where you collect premium. And we found this ETF last year. The portfolio manager, Hamilton Reiner, is great. He's been in the business for over three decades. But instead of just focusing on, you know, like an IBM that that has a 5% yield and trying to buy these high dividend yielding stocks, we found this strategy via an ETF. And what it does is it buys a basket of around 80 high quality names and then it sells calls It sells S and P calls, you know, against those. And so you end up with a strategy between option premium and dividend that's gonna return about eight to ten percent. It did around eleven percent last year in just yield and income, plus you get capital appreciation. So we think it's in a really important part of our toolbox and I think it also gives you exposure away from FANG and not into value either.
3: Why'd you get out of Starbucks?
1: You know, I actually bought Starbucks and sold the calls and the calls. I, the stock got called away because it was above the strike price. So nothing except the, it got called away from me.
3: Oh, I got you. OK, uh, thanks for clarifying that for me. Pete, OK, to you. Uh, forgive me. Uh, OK, so you yeah. bought J&J, right? An earnings reporter this week. Yes, sir. Uh, you got a lot of other mm-hmm. stuff, too. A lot of call buys, sold a bunch of calls. Why don't you talk to me about what you think are the most yeah. interesting for our viewers to know about? Otherwise, there's just too many to go through.
0: Yeah, yeah, I really was active. Um, I will say this: uh, the stock positions are the ones that you probably want to hear most about. So J and J, I love Gorsky. I love what he's done over his tenure there at J and J. I think that continues, and I look at that the company and the cash that flows that they've got are incredible. So I expect this just to continue on, and I like where they trade from a P and E perspective. And they got the trifold of what their exposures in with the with the consumer and obviously the pharmaceutical and medical devices. And I think Sleep Number is one that I think stands out, too, because it's a name that's performed extremely well. I think it continues, Scott. They've got 60% margins. This is a company that has great cash flows relative to what their market cap is, and they've bought back so many shares, almost 50% of their shares. So this is a company that has done an amazing job, I think, and will continue to do so in the future. So I own that stock as well.
3: All right, good stuff. Thank you for that. All right, now let's go to Bob Pizzani, yep. who has our ETF edge today. Hey,
9: Bob. Hello, Scotty. Facts are hot, 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 and, of course, That means a new SPAC ETF launching this week. The Morgan Creek Exo SPAC ETF will be actively managed. Let's talk to the man who's doing this picking there. Mark Yusko is the CEO of Morgan Creek Capital Management. Mark, two-thirds of the companies in this ETF will come from companies that have already chosen a partner, and then one-third will still be shell companies seeking startups. How on earth in this environment are you going to pick winners in the SPAC business?
10: Yeah, look, Bob, you and I talked last week that uh – you know, the SPAC structure is great and it's optimal for these high growth, innovative companies, but they're not all going to be winners. So the real edge here is all about active management. And, you know, ourselves and Exos to collectively have been doing asset management now for about five decades. So we feel like we put together a great team that's really going to get to know the management teams that are putting these things together and really focus on the highest quality businesses going forward.
9: All right. We want to remind our viewers that the CNBC SPAC 50 uh, tracks the largest U.S.-based SPACs by market cap. This is not an ETF. It's just an index through target announcements until the deal closes. And that history goes back to December first, 2020. So it's fairly recently, but it's up about 14 percent or so this year. Uh, Mark, what is going to put the brake on the SPAC mania? Is is there going to be a correction coming down the road, or is the quality of the acquisitions going to go way down so people won't bid up the prices? What's going to finally put a a break on all of this?
10: Yeah, Bob, that's a tremendous insight. You know, uh, every unique structure that uh, has come to be, whether it's it's the IPO, whether it's uh, mutual funds, whether it's ETFs, uh, the highest quality managers are attracted to it first. And uh, once they've all done their deals, then unfortunately – you will attract some uh, less quality uh, managers. And I think that's where you have to be very careful uh, in the current environment. So uh, we are going to remain very diligent and very vigilant to really focus on these uh, quality teams. And most importantly, these companies of the future, these really innovative, high-growth companies. Um, so I don't think we're going to see a slamming on the brakes, but I do think we'll see a slowdown in the, uh, just the number of opportunities that are fantastic.
9: All right, thank you, sir. A lot more from Mark on picking SPAC winners coming up on ETF Edge. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time. He'll be joined by Bob Shea from Trim Tabs. Shea ran the equity desk at Goldman for 14 years. He'll give us his insight into active stock picking and ETFs. Also joining us, Ben Johnson, global head of research for ETFs at Morningstar. All on ETF Edge.CNBC.com. Half time, back right after this.
11: B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain.
3: We're back with the futures outlook now watching natural gas today. Those futures rallying after a losing week. Scott, Nations of Nations Indexes joins me now for the trades. Good to see you on this Monday. What is your trade in that gas, Scotty?
5: Scott, I'm having a tough time hearing you, but crude uh, natural gas rather up 5% today. Uh, that's only half of what it lost last week. And if you look at stockpiles, stockpiles higher uh, than they were last year, higher than the five-year average. Scott, this is a rally to sell. I want to sell the March contract, $2.60. My target to the downside is going to be $2.41. My stop, I'm sorry, I'm selling it at two fifty-six. dollars My stop's going to be $2.60. We're always going to trade these with a stop. We're risking $400 to make $1,500. All
3: right, good stuff. Scott Nations, thank you. Final trades after this quick break. All right, Pete, unusual, what do you got?
0: Yeah, I'm going to start off with Virgin Galactic, Scott. We had some pretty interesting buying in there about a week and a half ago. Stock was around 30. It jumped up towards 36 today. And we have some buyers that are expiring on Friday. Again, we're talking about short-term. But they're looking at the 41 strike. About 6,000 of those were bought. They were bought for just under a dollar, Scott. So that's a pretty interesting one. Also, a second one, GoGo. Now, GoGo's been on fire, as we know. That's another one of these names that's been absolutely rocketing. They were buying the February 15s, the February 16s. But what stood out was the February 20s because they bought about 15,000 of those, somewhere between 20 and 35 cents. So... Great opportunity, in my opinion, because of risk-reward. I know what I can lose. So I like both of these two trades. I'm in both of these trades.
3: Okay, good stuff. Why don't you give me a final trade, speaking Thanks. of trades, Pete?
0: Sure. One of the stocks we never got to today was Marvell, so I'm going to give you that one. I own calls as well as stock. I believe in this thing. I think it's going a lot higher. Great acquisition.
3: That's what I'm looking at right now. Name the number one top pick uh, at Citigroup. $64 is the price yeah. target. I'm glad you mentioned that so I could get that tidbit in before yeah. we left. Thank you, Pete. It's good to see you. Bryn, cool. what do you have as your final? Yeah.
1: I think the number two stock pick, NVIDIA. I think it's been, it's been basing out with consolidation since September. Their, their strength in crypto mining, data centers, and AI. I think this will be a good earnings and a good time to get into the stock.
3: Yep, that was the number two at Citi. All right, Steve Weiss.
4: Modern just announced cops call 430 to go over why it's good against new variants. And that's why this is the biotech company of today and the future.
3: Yeah, up nicely today. All right, Joe.
4: J.M. Smucker.
3: All right, guys, good stuff. Really enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you for watching as well. We'll see you tomorrow. The exchanges now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern only on CNBC.